Welcome to James Explores the New Mutants, the podcast that, you guessed it, explores, explains, and examines the comic book series The New Mutants, its rebranding, relaunches, and spinoffs in an attempt to share my passion for this series, its characters, writers, and artists. Welcome back, New Mutants fans. In last week's episode, we began a vacation with the New Mutants as they journeyed to Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. In this week's episode, we will continue that vacation in the form of a field trip as the New Mutants join their friend Roberto's mother, an archaeologist, on her journey deep into the Amazon jungle in search of a lost civilization. And guess what? They stumble upon it in this issue entitled The Road to Rome. Before we get into this issue, let's quickly review the creative team. We've got Chris Claremont writing the book, Saul Buscema still doing the penciling, Bob McLeod's back again doing the inking, and it's a relief. We've got Orzakowski doing the lettering, Ivic explained why I think he's phenomenal and he proves it here in this issue again. He and Claremont just work well together. Lots of text. So lots of it's really important to get the lettering right and he does a great job of that. Uh, Glynis Wynn is the colorist. Um, And then we have uh, Luis Jones editor and Jim Shooter of course is editor-in-chief. That's the creative team. So let's dive into the issue. So let's examine the conversation that New Mutants are having in terms of Xavier and his level of trust. You know, Alberto, he is he's really f- of the opinion that they just he's not telling him something uh and it's cuz he doesn't care. Uh Danny, she tends to disagree. At one point she does point out, "Hey, I I would have totally agreed with you, but not anymore." She thinks instead, you know, Yes, he is hiding something from them, but it's it's because he's trying to protect his students. And and Sam asks, you know, from what? If he cares as much as as Danny says, it doesn't seem right that he wouldn't trust his students. And Roberto fires back. It's because, you know, they're so young. They're kids, you know, air quotes. They're, you know, ex-babies. Um, and, and nobody takes them seriously. Uh, and and that's kind of that's that's where this conversation's left because, you know, they're getting ready to get on the boat. They've reached the river. It's time to you know to get on board. And Danny, she's she's not going to slog to the mud. And everybody's kind of preoccupied as they're getting ready to launch the dinghy. You know, and and Danny strips down to her bathing suit and dives into the water. And and her and her teammates are chasing after trying to get her to stop you know that she does she needs to stay out of the water um and so she's swimming out towards the boat and her teammates are yelling at her and and there's a gentleman on the boat that we don't we we don't know who he is but he's got a slap bucket and he's uh it turns out this man is castro and, and he's gonna be somebody we we uh see much more of as the as this issue continues um and and he's got 
a, a garbage bucket, basically, just full of, of just garbage. And he dumps it overboard into the water. And he's and he's thinking to himself, this is going to liven stuff up. She's she's going to realize she's made a huge mistake. And and so as Danny's swimming, she notices that around the boat, the water's bubbling, it's frothing. And she realizes at that point that that, that she, you know, had forgot where she was was at. That this is the Amazon River, and that there's piranhas in this water, and and they are flesh eating fish, and they could eat her alive in the blink of an eye. And she also realizes at this point that she's about halfway between shore and the boat, and it's too far to swim back to shore. But the fish block the boat. Um, she she realizes she can't run, so she's got to fight. Uh, and and she uses her her abilities uh to pull some sort of image which what we don't what it is we don't know to scare the fish uh she pulls it from their mind something it it works something does scare them off like i said we don't see what the image is that she pulled from the mind but she also you know as it does buy her some time she she goes back to the surface she resurfaces and she realizes that you know anything could break her concentration, and that would be that would that would you know basically the fish would be on her again um and so she calls out to her friend Sam to you know Sam one of the new mutants Sam Guthrie cannonball to to start rescue maneuver two, and he launches. Uh, his legs turn to flames, and he he rockets across the water. Uh, Danny, who's reaching up into the air, uh, he he grabs her arm. It almost pulls it out of socket, uh, and there's not much. You know, it's either this or she's eaten alive by fish. So they rocket over the boat and crash into the the bank on the opposite side. Um, Sam, being invulnerable, is in, uninjured, but what has happened is now. Everyone on the boat knows they are, in fact, mutants. These kids are mutants. Um, <clears throat> where where Sam and Danny have come to rest, Sam is coated in mud, just caked in mud. His face is covered in mud. Uh, they're the two of them, Danny and, and Sam, are both confronted by a tribe of native women with spears and shields, uh, and they. I mean, the closest thing I can think of is Amazon warriors, and uh, they don't look too happy to see these young mutants. And one of them kicks Sam in the face. He grabs at her leg, and Danny dodges a knife, grabs one ar- uh, one of these warriors' arms, and flips her into uh, two of the other native women. And they run sc- run from her. They they s- scatter into the woods, uh, into the jungle. Uh, and as Danny turns back to see if Sam's doing all right, we see he has actually uh, basically bear-hunging one and pulls her to the ground. Uh, and, and they have now captured one of these native women as they, uh, you know, they're not really sure what's going on, but uh, they realize they, they, they end up getting back on the boat, but they, they do have a prisoner. Um, on board the boat, we quickly find out that the crew of this this vessel are not too happy to be working with, you know, on this boat with mutants on board, and and they demand that the captain get rid of these kids, before, uh, otherwise they're they're 
going to be forced to take matters in their own hand. The captain's trying to put down this immunity. Uh, he doesn't, you know, he's he's trying to stand up his crew, but they don't seem, they're all getting pretty feisty. And, and behind the captain, we see Rain and, and Bobby with Bobby's mother. And things are, are running pretty, pretty hot right now. Uh, but but this gentleman Castro agrees with the captain, and and this in his siding with the captain is enough. Apparently, he carries enough weight with the crew that that it turns the tide, and and the crew decides to to do their to continue with their job and and continue working for the captain. The boat shoves off, and they continue up upstream. Um, as night falls, we see uh, the new mutants with Roberto's mother Nina uh, in in a one of the cabins of this boat and uh the native girl is sitting on the floor um not really engaging with with any of the new mutants she's uh kind of pouting um and obviously probably upset because she's been captured and taken against her will on board a boat um she's not speaking to him they've got a lot of questions but they're not really getting anywhere but what more lucky that nina being an archaeologist she's able to look at the tools that the, the weapons, the, the spear and the arrows and, and kind of tell that um, one of the designs for the arrows is from the region that they're in, the Havato region. The other, though, comes from Peru, like, and that's 500 miles away from where they're at. So it doesn't make sense. They don't really, this one arrow doesn't belong uh, in that region at all. Um, and then when they're examining the knife, they find it's made from steel. It's a modern design and certainly not something that uh, natives should have. These these Amazon tribes should not have this. It's too sophisticated and it's definitely from um, the outside world. So it's a puzzle and they're not really sure what's going on. And, and this this young lady is not answering any of their questions. We see... A shot of the boat from the banks, and we see uh, silhouettes, three of them, with bows and arrows, and they're aimed at the the boat, and they're speaking in uh, uh, the the language of the natives, probably Portuguese, but who knows? It might be a different dialect, and they're talking about Lady Amara's life is in danger, and they can't attack the boat because it would put the risk of Lady Amara, her life, at risk, and so they decide that they will wait. They'll watch and wait to strike. So on the very first page, it's a splash page, and it's of a rainforest, a jungle, thick, luscious, green, um, overgrown with vegetation, uh, vines, all sorts of greenery. And uh, it's, it's what I would expect when I think of a jungle or the Amazon. And apparently it's what Selbusema thought of as well um and everything seems pretty normal for our jungle except for there's this big brown wolf stalking through it the wolf seems very out of place and if we the readers didn't catch that uh from the images claremont made sure we did we also if we're familiar with the new mutants which most of us probably are this is rain sinclair in our wolf's form uh, and once again, Claremont makes that clear to the readers as well in the narration. And what we come to f- figure out is that the New Mutants did, in fact, join Roberto's mother on their on her trip into the rainforest. So n- they're they're continuing their vacation, their learn learning uh, 
hands-on field trip into the jungle with Roberto's mother. They're going to experience archaeology, hand, archaeological expedition, hands-on. And uh, Xavier thought this was a good idea in light of recent events, the disappearance of their team leader, uh, Shane Coyman, Karma. Uh, and so here they are, and they're they're out in the jungle and 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 currently not studying they're they're taking a break from their studies and their workouts and uh they are playing a game of hide and seek we discover and rain is using her abilities in her wolf form to track her teammates uh she is on the scent trail of her friend Danny Moonstar, and she she approaches her. She decides she's going to climb up a tree, and so Rain has this ability to transform into this half-human, half-lupine, half-wolf state, this lupine form, and she uses that to do things that a human can't do or a wolf can't do. Together, they can do pretty amazing things, and so this lupine state allows her to do those things. So she clambers up this tree and out onto a limb. She sees her friend Danielle Moonstar down below. Danielle believes that she is hidden from sight, and she believes that she has tricked Rain. Uh, Rain quickly dis- uh, disposes of that uh, a false thought, that false belief, as she drops down in her human form behind Danny, Danny saying, boo, startling Danny, and, she, and Rain doubles over in laughter as Danny lectures her that that's not how this game's played, you're not supposed to sneak up on people, you shouldn't scare me because you scared me half to death, uh, and this is Danny's, you know, disgusted and a little upset, probably partly because she lost, just as much as she is embarrassed that she was scared or that she was caught so easily, um, we see through the artwork that Rain is starting to is really sweating heavily. Um, Rain is dressed in her in her New Mutant team attire, right? That those that uh, classic X Men uniform, that blue or black and yellow with the red X belt uh, clasp. Um, that very uh, that that is what she's wearing, and in this hot, humid climate, she's really starting to struggle. She, one, she's not used to it, and apparently, this this these unstable molecules, although they rearrange and allow her to trans change forms without destroying her clothing, um, they don't allow for uh, they're they're not like cotton where it's breathing. It doesn't allow air movement. Apparently. Uh, to the skin and and it's causing her to overheat she's become very dehydrated and she gets uh she collapses into danny's arm danny's concerned obviously for obvious reasons because her friend's potentially going into heat stroke um meanwhile elsewhere in the rainforest bobby and sam have begun to realize something's not right they think hey you know rain in her wolf form she should have found us by now something can't be something's up so they begin making their way back to where they hope their friends are and they stumble onto a scene where, and and it's rain in her wolf state rolling around in what appears to be a mini blizzard it's a small section of snow that's just falling around her and she is rolling around in it and we see Danny in the panel too. She is sitting cross-legged on, uh, next to a tree, and apparently using her abilities to pull from 
Rain's mind, her deepest desire. And what Claremont explains to us is that over these last months, Daniel Moonstar has been training rigorously and has gotten to the point where she can choose what she pulls from her her uh, target's brain or their their mind. So if she she can pick the greatest desire, she can pick the greatest fear or any other image or thought or memory that she so chooses. So she has been working hard. And like this is the first time that we've really gotten that acknowledgement where Danny has gotten to the point where she can choose what she's pulling from someone's head, which is kind of neat. Like that's a big step for her. Like so she's gained control and the ability to choose within that control. And there's something else I find that's fascinating here. And so we have seen people fear, fearful of the images she pulls. We've seen them enticed by those images. But we don't normally get to see really strong interaction. We kind of saw it in the last issue where uh, she pulled from a goon's mind women, and they touched his face, and then they, as soon as he made contact with them, they transformed into horrible images of really disgusting, monstrous women, like almost demons. Um, and that's the most we've seen physical contact from these these images that she pulls from people's heads. Here is an instance where she has created the belief in someone or allowed the images to create a belief within them that they are in a con- cool environment, which has then tricked the body into thinking that it was cooling down, even though it was still hot. That's crazy that that is happening here. And to me, it suggests that her abilities are becoming more almost physical. Like her, her, it's not just an image that is projected like a hologram. It is actually a physical manifestation of some type. So I, I just want to make that note because I find it, I find it kind of interesting. So Everything seems to be in order, and the game's obviously done. And so Sam, he decides, you know, he's going to use the rainforest like a solemn course. He's gonna, he, he ignites his powers, flames shoot out from where his legs are, and he takes off like a rocket. And he's weaving in and out of trees. And Claremont notes here, too, that, like, it wasn't all that long ago. It was only a few months ago that Sam could only shoot in straight lines. And, and turning was took everything he could do. And he, Sam has reached a point in his the use of his powers where he can turn pretty easily. It's becoming very natural to him. And this is a huge step. It's super freeing for him. And he is overjoyed by this. And he, you can see it in Sam's face. And again, this is why I come back to, I mean, certainly Selbusim has got the ability in him to draw good faces. And when you pair him with Bob McLeod, you get superb superb face facial features and recognition and like you get some emotions that you might not get otherwise and and you see that here with sam as he's rocketing through the forest he's very overjoyed and he's as usual as sam tends to do not paying attention and he smashes into a tree and roberto he's he's forced to transform into a sunspot for me tells his friend stay put you know I'm gonna take care of this as this tree's falling towards the girls and himself he transforms into sunspot and he smashes the tree busting it to just shreds it just destroys the tree with a giant pow um, he crushes the tree with no problem pretty much obliterating it and thus protecting his friends um, Sam's apologetic obviously and Roberto he's 
for the first time, we were seeing something really interesting in Bobby that almost a, like a respect. He has a respect for this rainforest. He desires that it be, that it be protected. He wants it to, to be there. There's like a, rev, a, a reverence for nature. And uh, he talks about how his friends aren't really re- very respectful of this place and that they, they should be more careful. Um, that, and that Sam, he just doesn't seem to care uh, when it comes to nature. Uh, this this conversation doesn't go on very long because they're they're radioing in to talk to Professor Xavier. Um, they're going to give him transfer some test results, some of their training results that they've been conducting on their trip, so that he can review them and and grade them. And he'll get back, to, he'll get the the information back when he is done, probably within the day or so, is what he tells them. What we also find out is Xavier still training everyone's favorite team, Team America, at the mansion. Um, and when the conversation, they also ask about uh, if he has come up with anything about their teammate, Shane Quinn Mann, who went missing uh, a, a couple issues back now. And uh, during their fight with Viper in an explosion, no, they couldn't find her. And uh, they presume... Uh, she's for sure lost, missing in action, possibly killed in action. Um, and Xavier really hasn't given him them any insight. He suspects that there's a, a larger force at play. There was a powerful uh, telepath that was involved in this, uh, it, that was involved during this explosion. Uh, he felt it, and he... and. He suspects that it is involved in Danny's disappearance. But he has not told his teammates this at all, his students this at all. So none of the new mutants know that this happened. Dan, uh, Karma hadn't shared this with her teammates, and now Xavier's not telling the young new mutants either. Uh, he, he doesn't think they need to know. So they end their conversation with him. And as they're walking back to the river... They're talking about, like, you know, they're kind of, they're, Roberta's certainly wondering, you know, what's going on. He seems to be preoccupied with his new tr- trainees, like, this, these new, his new pet project, and that he doesn't have time to, to, to worry about Shane anymore. And, and he's wondering, you know, aloud if this is the right decision, if they should have come down here. And, and his teammates kind of dissuade him of, the notion like let's just focus on what we're doing here this is our best place for us right now elsewhere rio de janeiro uh and we see it's the mansion of manuel de costa roberto's father for those of you who aren't uh, familiar with the name um and he has a guest with him and the guest is you might have guessed it sebastian shaw the two of them are dressed to the nines you know uh wearing uh tuxedos and um, are having, are discussing something. We see Roberto's uh, father, Emmanuel, holding a piece of paper, and and he has a lighter. He's holding a lighter to it. And we discover that Castro, the man on the boat, is actually an agent that was sent by Sebastian Shaw to sabotage uh, Nina, Roberto's mother's uh, expedition up the Amazon River. And... What we also discover is that Emmanuel is less than pleased with uh, Castro's performance 
saying that you know he's been super unsuccessful and that his failures are really doing nothing to convince him that he should be joining the inner circle of the Hellfire Club. And Shaw counters, stating that, hey, you know, you're the one who's hamstrung him. You're the one who's got him doing this with hand tied by his back. You don't want him to hurt your son. You don't want him to hurt Nina. He's He's got a really tough job. Plus, those kids that, that are along are mutants. I mean, he's really outmatched here. What do you expect from him? And, uh... As he, uh, Emmanuel goes to the wall, he moves a picture to the side and he hits a button and we see the wall, uh, on the opposite wall, uh, the, a panel moves and it reveals a map of South America focused mostly on Brazil. Emmanuel walks to it and he points to the uncharted area, unexplored um, Madaria. That's where the expedition led by his wife, is headed. And this is pristine, untouched wilderness. There's maybe some natives there and uh, unexplored, right? And that's why it's so important for Nina, his wife. But what what he tells us now as he's talking with Shaw is that this region, according to satellite imagery and other uh, evidence, indicates that it is immensely wealthy. The natural resources there could make him an extremely wealthy person and um, just a treasure trove of incalculable wealth within its mineralogical deposits. And, And that is all within his grasp. And he will do anything it takes to to achieve that. And much like Shaw, this is exactly how Shaw views the world. Wealth power and you know that is what his are his driving forces he doesn't care about humans and mutants relations he doesn't care at all all he wants to do is as a man's a mass power and so it's very much a language that apparently emmanuel da costa understands and so these two are much more alike than they are different and emmanuel apparently has gotten to the point where he is willing to sacrifice his family to achieve that, to obtain that wealth. Uh, And what we see is he invites a handful of women into the room. And Shaw tells him, I thought you still, I was under the impression you still loved Nina. And he explains to Shaw, I never let my feelings get in the way of business. Uh, If she were to behave proper, like a wife should, then she wouldn't be in danger. That is Emmanuel's, this you know, comments about his own wife, and uh, when when Shaw sees these handful of women, these four women coming in the door, he asks, you know, he's surprised, and Emmanuel says the evening's entertainment, and Shaw is very appreciative of his wealthy friend and host. Elsewhere, back on the river, we see the boat. It's it's dawn. The sun is beginning to rise. The boat's heading up river, and as the sun uh, finally makes its appearance, probably about at the horizon level, the mountains are uh, before them are just 
splashed with light and they're extremely visible and they go up into the clouds and and they they realize that they've reached uh the madeira and in a day or so they'll begin hiking i'll uh, get off the boat and begin their their trek into up into the highlands um so they've they've reached their destination, a place that really no one, not very many people have been before. And the captain makes note that, you know, they need to make sure that they're heading up the, the correct uh, fork. Because one fork leads to rough rapids and, and certain destruction of the boat. The other one is a much safer route. Um, Rain, in the meanwhile, she takes food down to the cabin that the young Indian uh, native woman is is sitting, is being essentially being held captive at this point. Um, and as she opens the door, we we see this giant Castro. He's he's slapping um, the the native in the face, and and he demand is demanding answers from her um, that she is not giving. Um, he rain you know begins to poach she grabs his hand and you know and begins to protest she she's uh not obviously not happy with this you know she's she's uh, you know just upset like this you shouldn't be doing this um you know she tells him you know professor da costa said that this young native wasn't to be harmed and his reply is basically he 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 doesn't have much of a reply other than he just slaps her across the face, sending rain flying. And rain, she is enraged again. Uh, beautiful work on the face, um, and she, and all her reply is simple: "You shouldn't have done that." And he asks her, "Is that a threat?" And he quickly realizes that he's dealing with something much more than just a young. A uh, young thirteen-year-old girl, as she turns into a, her wolf form and begins to growl at him, um, he he is obviously terrified, and you can tell that again from the facial expressions. The faces in this are just absolutely stunning, um, and he he makes a break for it. He runs out the door, uh, and and what we see is. Uh, rain turning back into a human form so with Castro having run out of the room rain begins to untie uh, Amara or the native girl we don't know her name yet and rain uh, she's cleaning up the mess and what what finally happens is as the native young native woman speaks she says rain uh, and rain says yeah that's right and uh, the native girl says Amara, and we we Rain no now knows Amara's name, and in this moment, as she's cleaning up this mess and kind of trying to apologize to to Amara, uh, she begins to cry. She begins to cry, and uh, she sees it as no reason, but she she opens up to Amara because she doesn't think that Amara can speak English, and. She explains to Mara that, like, when she saw the look on Castro's face after he saw her change into a wolf, into her wolf form, it was the same look, the same terror, the same horror that she saw in the faces of those, that mob back in Scotland, way back in graphic novel number four, Newman's origin story. And even though right now she doesn't feel evil, 
she does wonder if there's something deep down inside her, some secret uh, soul that that she might be evil. And then she goes on to explain that something that she's told Danny, but I don't know if she's gone much more into depth since issue number one, but she tells Amara that the only time she's truly happy is when she's in the wolf form. She tells her that that's when the world's simple, it's crystal clear, and she wishes she could stay that way forever. And she tells Amaro that she's really glad that, you know, she she can't speak English. Amara can't speak English because doesn't know what she's saying because if she did, she'd be she couldn't have she wouldn't tell this to anyone, not including her closest friends. And uh she she thanks Amara and, and kinda of heads out the door with the with the garbage, the food that had been spilled all over the ground and, and she notices that there's an arrow in the back of a guy's chest and as she spins around to see what's going on she she realizes she's in trouble she's struck in the face with the butt of a rifle uh and it's castro she awakens with a head wound and and a wonderful comment like claremont at his best poking fun at his artists uh and here's what she says my head why am i always the one to get her head bashed isn't fair right like because <laughs> she every time she is discompa- you know knocked out in a fight every time she is knocked down in a fight almost every time she takes a beating and it's a thump in the head that that she receives she begins to stir and her she notices her teammates all in the room with amara and bobby and her the only ones awake uh danny and sam are both laying unconscious on the ground so is roberto's mother uh, Roberto, he knows something's up, and he's decided he needs to take action. He breaks through the wall. He realizes that the crew's gone. There's no one left on the boat except for a whole bunch of dead guys, a dead captain. They all have arrows in their back, and they're headed down the wrong tributary. They're headed down the wrong branch of the river. He goes to the boat, and he, and he tries to take control. He gets to the wheel, and he starts the engine, but the engines won't start, so he can't even get the boat to to run in reverse. So he's got to try to take it to the rapids. And he does his best, but his best just isn't good enough. The boat smashes into rocks as it goes over a fall, and the boat is ripped apart. Uh, the water awakens Sam, thankfully, and he he begins he rockets in the air. He grabs Danny out of the water, um, and Roberto he he transforms into a sunspot. He swims for his mother, who he sees, but he gets hit in the head by debris from the boat, and his mother slips off the rock and out of his reach. And Roberto who is transformed back into his human's form after he took the beating on the head, uh, begins to, he goes under the water. Sam, he rockets down in and grabs him and takes him to safety. Meanwhile, Rain, in her wolf form and transforming to his lupine form, uh, leaps from rock to rock until she reaches the rock that uh, and is able to reach out and try to rescue Amara, who is now floating down the river. She grabs Amara's hand and pulls her up to the rock, and we see that Amara is no longer this black, uh, dark-skinned woman. Um, she is actually white. Uh, she's a white woman with blonde hair instead of dark, dark black hair. Um, so she's not even a native of this country, uh, and Rain figures out that this was a disguise. And she, at this moment, uh, 
as as Amara's trying, Rain's trying to convince Amara she's got to help her. She's got to help pull her out of the water. Uh, that Rain's not strong enough to do it on her own. Amara speaks to her. She begins talking to her. She says, "I I do, Rain. I'll try." As you know, as as Rain's holding on to her and. Now Rain realizes she can speak English. So everything she said, she's terrified. She's shocked and horrified and, like, embarrassed. But she keeps fighting and, and pulling on Amara, but Amara's not of any help. She's kind of slipped back into unconscious state. And, and Rain transforms to her lupine state and, and is able to pull Amara out of the water onto the rocks. Uh, Sam Guthrie, he's quickly there, and he, and he takes the two of them back to the, to the riverbank where he has got... Uh, Roberto and Danny on shore and and he tells Roberto that he he can't find his mom that he didn't spot his Roberto's mother along the river anywhere that she is not anywhere to be seen and and Bobby is just grief-ridden and and terrified and uh horrified at the thought of his mother being lost uh he tries to run out into the river and and Sam grabs him and pulls him back and he and he won't let him go uh it's at this moment that the team is now confronted by a new threat. Men in armor uh, appear on the bank, and if you know anything about Roman history, you'll realize these look like Roman imperial soldiers, and that's what they introduce themselves as. Uh, they tell the, these young kids to be silent, uh, and, and that they are now prisoners of the fourth municipal first cohort thunderclap legion, and henceforth slaves of the imperial Roman imperial Rome. And that's the end of the issue. Uh, we we now have Roman soldiers, a legion of Roman soldiers, appearing on the banks of a river in Brazil, uh, and and the woman that they thought was. A native that they had taken captured on their boat was captive on their boat was actually a woman in blackface, which is extremely questionable. Um, a white woman painting herself up to look like a black woman. It's kind of a poor taste, kind of a poor decision. I don't know whether that was something that was acceptable in the 80s still or not it certainly is something that we frown upon today so it's an interesting choice i understand the thought process behind it but it's definitely not something that we would see today i would think in in comics from today this was printed in 83 so i mean there is a significant time difference um and 83 you could smoke in most restaurants i i bet that blackface it might not have been something people were doing regularly but i'm pretty sure it happened and was less uh taboo than it is today um certainly is not something you're going to see done today it's it's a shame it shows up in the story i i think it works in the way it it's presented but it is something that you should be aware of probably that it's probably not the best uh it's not you know, the most racially sensitive thing you could do. Um, I also want to talk momentarily about the cover. This is a Bob McLeod cover, um, and it's it's comical. It's it's beautiful and wonderful, and it's everything I would expect from a Bob McLeod, you know, uh, artwork. And what we got is Daniel Moonstar. She's fighting with the three uh, Native women, and... 
Sam Guthrie. He's holding a spear. It's, it's pointed right at his neck, and this native woman is trying to jam it through his throat, and his face is just perfect. It's grimacing. He's got sweat pouring from his brow, and, and in the foreground we have, uh, or in the background, sorry, we have Danny who's fighting there, and she's saying, they're not so tough as they look, are they, Sam? You know, and, and it's just beautiful and comical and wonderful, and I, I just adore it. Um, what I will say is the coloring's a little odd on the cover. I mean, throughout the issue, it's great, right? We have Native, or what we believe at the time are Native women, and they're, and they're dark. They're fairly dark skin. And Roberto, who has been portrayed as a, you know, dark, dark-skinned uh, young man, you know, it's very dark throughout these issues. He he will get lightened. His skin tones will become lighter as as the issues go on and as the nineties get closer. But in these early issues, he's he's a a young black man, and and you can't and and that's what it looks like on the cover of this issue. These women who are much darker in the issue, uh, their skin their skin tones are are more pink. Um, much lighter and I don't know if that is you know like if they're going for an olive tone here if it's 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 hinting towards the idea that they're not um actually um you know not actually natives I, I don't know what the point is if it's just a coloring mistake but they don't look the same as they did um in the issue um, and, and maybe that's just a coloring snafu. I don't really know. But it is odd, because uh, when we see Amara get captured, she has much darker skin. It's it's closer to that of Roberto's uh, color of his skin. Um, so I don't really know. Um, but I just thought I'd make that note. You know, it is... It's it's an interesting choice, I, I find, that, that Claremont made. It it doesn't do any favors to the story, I guess. I mean, it it's a captivating way to tell the story. It, it keeps you from realizing who she is and why she, you know, it allows for some things like her lack of English. It keeps us from having answers. Um, but at the end, it is, like I said, racially insensitive and something to keep in mind. Uh, but I think something to also be aware of as the reader is that this is a comic from the 83 you know and yeah should it maybe have been a more enlightened possibly but like I don't find the people that were writing it to be abhorrently racist I just think you know they're kind of in a bubble they're creative people and they're in a bubble and sometimes creative people don't always check themselves the best um, and that could be part of it you know it, and it might just be a symptom of the times but Certainly, I don't think it's something we would see today. Uh, but yeah, I, I think overall, I'm enjoying the story. I think we're seeing some growth in the characters that I really like. I really appreciate. You're starting to see some of the characters really becoming fleshed out and becoming characters that I'm going to care about for a long time. Um, and it starts in these early issues, right? My attraction and the appeal of these characters begins early on, and it only is strengthened over time. You know, and I really appreciate, like, what he's, Claremont's done here with, like, Daniel's, Daniel Moonstar's powers, right? Her ability to, like, pull this manifest, a storm, a, a blizzard, um, a small micro blizzard around only Wolfsbane, and to have that, even though it's a psychic image that we, or at least I understood as, like, a holographic image almost, it is almost, it has, it's so convincing, it, it tricks 
Rain's brain so convincingly that she believes it's cool. And I, I just think that's a great example of her development, of of uh, Daniel Moonstar's development as a character. We're seeing that with Sam and with Roberto. He's able to hold his form longer. He He's really strong. So, you know, it's it's just wonderful. These characters are growing, and they're getting to understand their abilities all the better. And this is going to lead to issues down the road for this team, right? Like... They get in these tight scrapes, they use their powers, and they're successful, and it breeds this air of invincibility that already exists in young people anyways, right? They believe that they can do whatever, they can do anything they want, they can drink and drive, they can drive crazy, you know, they can do all sorts of crazy teenage things, and that, you know, consequences be damned, right? Like, they're invincible, and that's something that comes in youth, and then you tie that with superpowers, and now they're just, it's like high-octane teenage, you know, anti-authoritarian angst. You know, that's what's occurring in these pages. And we're going to see that down the road, this constant belief that they're invincible and that nothing can touch them, nothing can harm them, eventually that's going to come back and bite them in the butts. Uh, but it's not today, not today. But they have been captured by the Roman legions that are somewhere in the, middle, in, in the Amazon rainforest. So we'll find out more in the next issue entitled Arena. So please, you know, come back, join me and, and next week and we'll get into that issue. Till then, keep reading those comics. James Explores the New Mutants is, as always, recorded in Iowa City, Iowa, and produced by myself using the Anchor app. New episodes are available every Wednesday, wherever you get your podcasts. You can reach the podcast on Twitter at Explore New Mutant or via email at explorethenewmutants at gmail.com. Anchor has a awesome voicemail feature which allows you the listener to record about minute long questions or comments and send them directly to my voicemail box um, and which I can then take and add directly into the podcast and then answer those directly on air um, it's a great way for you listeners to become involved and I highly encourage it I love uh, I love involvement obviously um, so please feel free to uh, hit me up on Twitter, send me emails, uh, or, or use the voicemail feature. However you want to get a hold of me is fine. I would be more than happy to answer questions, field comments, um, or answer concerns as well. Um, so yeah, I really enjoyed doing this podcast as always. I really, really, really adore it. It's been great, um, and I can't wait to get into next week's episode. So until then, keep reading those comics.